TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everybody, and good morning. I'll try to settle down a little bit because it is early, but you know what? What better time to talk about the things that we talk about right here on The Connection, right, Lisa? That's right. That's right. You can never get enough of this show. And um, I just want to tell you, too, since we've given out some contact information, um, whether folks have reached out to The Connection, Inc. directly, I've gotten some emails from some of our listeners as well, um, at Ann at baldwinmedia.net. And we just really appreciate it. We've been out at events. People are saying that they're listening to the show um, early on a Sunday morning. And you know what? We appreciate that. It's quality, not quantity, right? That's right. That's right. So why don't you take care of introducing our next guest here on the program and uh, let folks know what, what they're in for today. Well, I'm very excited um, to do the show with you, Anne. And what we were just talking about before we went live on air is the importance of um, highlighting um, the amazing citizens in Connecticut that um, are in recovery and come into treatment programs um, in the agency, not just the connection, but um, my other uh, nonprofits. Thank you all out there for the great work you do. And to talk about the fact that recovery is possible and um, stopping a life of suffering and addiction is possible and um, it's amazing, amazing um, folks that we have on our show that talk about their journey is an inspiration to me for so many reasons. I think that um, for sure most of the folks that I work with come into this field because addiction and mental health, et cetera, affects all of us personally um, in some way, shape, or form, whether we're in recovery or not, or we have a family member or someone close to us that has been in recovery, we come into this field because we know that it works. So without further ado, (laughs) I want to talk. Drum roll, please. (laughs) uh, I I am really, the reason why I know that I work at The Connection and do the work that I do is because sitting to the right of me is an amazing gentleman, David, and David is a graduate of the Roger Sherman House uh, located in New Haven. So thank you so much for being here. We talk about this all the time, David, is that it, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength to come here and tell your story. So why don't you tell people a little bit about, you know, what happened? And then I want folks to understand, you know, what the Roger Sherman House is, is for, what its intentions are, and, you know, how there are success, and how there are success stories like you um, emerging from it. Um, first, I thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so my um, my story actually would start at a very young age, um, and it would start. I first got incarcerated when I was 17 years old. So um, I grew up as a youth in prison. I started at Manton Institution, and throughout the um, ages, I um, uh, went to different prisons. Um, I actually got out 
um, unlike some, and I got out about the age of 24. And but I got to back up a second. What landed you there in prison in the first place? Um, I committed a charge of first-degree robbery when I was 17. Um, and the robbery, I did it with a BB gun, and I was given a very hefty sentence for it. Uh, my sentence was 20 suspended after 10 with five years probation at the age of 17. Even as a juvenile? Even as a juvenile. I was charged as an adult for the crime. Um and like I said, I was incarcerated for many years for that. And I got out um, and ended up still getting locked up again um, in a different state for a charge of um, possession of ammunition um, in the back of my trunk. So in so many ways, what got me to the point of Roger Sherman was I broke my I actually broke down after the previous incarceration. And I believe by that breaking down, it got me to a point of humility and submission um, to realize that I lost all control of my life. I'm not sure why at those ages I was doing the things I did. I think a lot of it comes down to acceptance, as I was speaking to someone about previously. And I just I guess I wanted to be accepted and maybe loved and cared for i didn't feel like i was experiencing that from the environment that i came from and it's not to say that i didn't have uh, a parent or i grew up with one parent that was my dad my, my dad he actually is my adopted dad so i never actually met my real parents um and i didn't know i don't know i don't feel like i had that too much of that love it was more strict and sternness so i believe when that happens to certain individuals we kind of go backwards and we look for it in other environments and other um, places. And I found it in, I don't want to use the word love, but I found acceptance in maybe the wrong lifestyle. And um, I continued to live out that lifestyle till eventually my activities caught up to me. Uh, Were you using drugs and alcohol? Yes, I was more of nothing. I never did heavy drugs. I I was more of just weed smoker and alcohol but i never got into the heavy drugs um but i was using yes so what happened after your two um so you were in prison for extended amount of time and then you ended up at roger sherman house what happened when you got there when i got to roger sherman house the first thing i did was i being in the point of humility i was already in i seen it more as opportunity and not as something that was against me. Um, I seen it more as, you know, I believe in a higher power. So I had seen it more as, you know, this is a, this is something good. This is a gift. You're being given a second chance. And with that second chance, I, I used it. Um, I actually, uh, I actually got employment within my first, not even month or two. Um, and there was a, a center, a computer center where I was just consistently filling out applications. And there was a gentleman there who, you know, he would, he taught me one simple lesson Bob. that it was, <laughs> yes, it was Bob. Bob was the work counselor and then another gentleman, and I can't remember his name per se, but they did teach me one important acronym that I believe helped me till this day to continue employment. And the acronym is KISS and it was keep it short and simple. <laughs> so I was See, I've heard another word, keep it short stupid <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go That's in front of the employees i would try to keep it as yes. simple as possible without having to disclose too much of my background mm -hmm. and um in certain instances it did work um and, it, and it's been on my side thus far so um, can i just stop you yes. there real quick david because you bring up a really good point and lisa you can speak to this it's 
not just a roof over their head. It's wraparound services that go with that. So, for example, giving you the tools that you need to go out to find employment, because this isn't a permanent solution to anybody's situation. This is a step in the right direction. It's a hand up, not a handout. But what I want to say, though, is I, David, I heard about you for a really long time from Bob McAdams, who um, does the vocational work at Roger Sherman. And Bob often told told myself and, and the other staff about you and your um, belief in moving forward and focusing on a goal and really wanting to rebuild your life and move it forward after what your past had been like. And he was so proud of you. And they, I know you made a connection with Bob. Bob still talks about you. Bob talks about you all the time. Okay. Um, and I also believe that um, what happens is what's really, really important is that the staff meet our folks that come in where they are and make a connection. And I know you have that connection with Bob, right? And um, so can you talk a little bit about, because you're, you're underplaying the, the success, because I know your story, because I heard it so many times, and I love the story. So you, you filled out your application, and you got this job, and then what happened? What was your goal? Talk about what your goal was and how you got there. Um, it was actually took place in two different um, situations. I was first working at Dunkin' Donuts, and while at Dunkin' Donuts, there was a new company called Golden Corral that opened up in Milford, Connecticut. And I kind of transitioned into Golden Corral. And when I was there, I told Bob one day that um, I one day I'm going to manage this company. <laughs> and I said, one day I'm going to walk in here with a burgundy shirt, which was the company, the um, colors of the management. And I'm just going to show you that I'm, I, you know, I want to show you that shirt. And um, Bob was in the office and I just walked in. He was speaking to another client, and I just walked in, and I just opened my sh- my coat, and I just showed <laughs> Bob that here, here's the shirt, and I actually began to manage that company while in a halfway house. I was a manager at a restaurant. Is that amazing? I love that story because everybody else wears different colored shirts, and you didn't understand maybe in the beginning, like, why is that person's shirt that color and that person's is that color, and you're like... I want to wear that color shirt, but in order to do so, you got to be the manager. That was your goal. You set the goal and and you did it. And that's just indicative of, we can say it's a shirt and all of that, but that is really your determination and your strength from all the things that happened to you to really move forward to because you knew inside that you had the ability to become a manager, which is not easy in anywhere that you work and you really work towards that goal. So that is just amazing. So then, so tell us about, um, so that happened for you. So what's happened, where are you now and what's, what, what's happening in your life and how have things changed since then? Since then, um, Life has gone very fast, very quick. It's just going very quick. Um, I now have a child. Um, Yay! So Congratulations. That's great. He's he's eight months now. So I wasn't out of the halfway house too much before I actually, you know, um, had a child. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's an amazing thing. Um, I also work at a different company now as a executive director of housekeeping, and we just actually had our first um, inspection, which we passed yesterday. Congratulations! That's wonderful. And um, I'm still, I'm still just I'm learning as we go. Like um, I'm still learning, even though I I, I feel like I accomplished all these things, which sometimes I, even I don't realize coming from a background I came from how how important that is and right. how major it is it's huge and 
I'm very humble because <laughs> Bob I always tell Bob about all my imperfections and Bob always tries <laughs> to remind me of all the good things because I'm I'm consistently, I don't know, realizing that I'm not to where I want to be yet. And I'm striving to get there. But Bob, you know, he keeps me very um stable. Bob's been one of the biggest helps for me. And I actually just seen Bob last week. That's so, great. Um, we talked and we were just, you know, continue to, to, to speak on what I'm going through, you know. And even at times, you know, he, I'm surprised because I never expect for, you know, people who are in positions where they were supervising us to speak on what they were going through. And then that's when you kind of really hit and you realize you're not the only one struggling in life. Mm-hmm. And, um... He's helped me to understand that knowledge, and I, I'm starting to see that people are just, you know, struggling in general. And um, life is not always easy, no matter where you that's come right. from and what field you come from. Um, it is. That's true. It so is really true. So let's talk a little bit about some of the other folks in the Roger Sherman House, not, not specifically, but what were some of the other folks in there, you know, dealing with, because everybody's story is different, Um and how, how does that work when it all comes together under one roof? The, I remember one gentleman, um, I won't speak his name. Um, I actually don't even remember his name fully. And I think the main thing I realized about him was his inability to escape his um, own environment. Um, and it was basically, you know, he was still stuck with those previous thoughts. He wasn't Demons. able. Yeah. And, and we can. Yes, we could definitely call him that. And there was there's a I, I go back to there's a biblical scripture that it says you must be renew, renew your mind. And I don't believe that gentleman. I just remember his mind just didn't seem like even while he was incarcerated, he attempted to renew his thinking. And I don't think that we can ever. um proceed throughout this lifestyle coming from that type of background without renewing your thoughts and you have to because the only way you're going to react is you're going to react based off of what you already know you have nothing else to react off of in order for that to happen to react in a more different nature you have to first renew your old thoughts so that you can have something to react from and i just remember just everything he said was more of a the world was against him mm-hmm. negativity and it was and, very yeah. negative and Eventually, my understanding is he did get incarcerated again, which I, I kind of felt like I was trying to speak with him. I felt like maybe, maybe because I was older than he was, I did say a little bit of what I've been through. He was, we, we, we made a connection as individuals within the connection. Right, but maybe somebody planted the seed, like in recovery. If you plant that seed, maybe he didn't succeed this time, but like you, maybe he'll come back the next time and that seed will begin to grow. And Lisa, this really points out here, too, what David's talking about. You have to have new tools, if you will. It might mean behavioral health services for people. It might be addiction care. It might be, you know, for everybody it's different. And that's where, you know, all the Connections programs kind of come together because your issues, I'm sure, are different than his issues or different than the next person's issues. So that's where it's that you know, comprehensive care that really counts. But I, I do think, I, I do like what you just said about that, the biblical scripture and sort of sort of renewing your vision constantly, being uncomfortable really, right? It's not going back to, you knew what it was like, because that didn't work. And that is life, I think when you get in a comfortable zone, irregardless, it's not good. You have to kind of stay uncomfortable and just kind of like sometimes throw yourself out there for opportunities to happen. Um, so how do you, how do you, what works for you? Like, how do you do that? How do you, 
how do you um, sort of get yourself in a mode where you're just going to go for it? You know, those little voices are always there for all of us, right? But what works for you? Well, you you're a dad now, so that must be amazing, right? But that's <laughs> got to be so cool. But what is it? What do you what do you say when you have like those those thoughts? Like, how do you how do you work through that? Everything kind of right at this moment, no matter how difficult the struggle is, comes down to my faith. That faith for me was developed while incarcerated. Um, and it was kind of once I got out, I believe that <laughs> I always tell a buddy of mine, <laughs> I say, wow, I had so much. I felt like I was so much, you know, my faith was so much better when I was incarcerated. I actually tell him this. But it wasn't that our faith was so much better while incarcerated. We were just in a different environment. But that faith that we had from being incarcerated got us to the point we're at now to move forward. And throughout life, your just faith will continue to grow to get you through the next steps that you'll have to face in um, life. So for me, it's always my faith. And it's just continuously, you know, you know, I'm in a lot of I, I pray a lot, you know, and I thank God because my humility and just realizing that I, I am not perfect. <laughs> Bob's going to laugh when he hears this that I am not perfect is what really keeps me humbled because I don't believe in judge judging others because once you try to you always looking at yourself like hmm so you're perfect today huh so I'm glad that you're judging that person so for me it's like my understanding that I'm not perfect and it helps me in um being humble as I walk throughout life well Lisa asked you when you walked in today and I, I was just kind of standing back and observing this. And she said, how are you doing today? Lisa's always so great at checking with in people. And she's not just asking the question because, like, you know, how are you doing? It's, <laughs> I mean, she really wants to know. You really want to know how people do. are doing today. Um, your response was interesting to me. Can you share that with our listeners? Um, I basically said, you know, I'm... I'm okay, and I and the reason why I say that is because I kind of like try not to judge my situation so much. Um, a lot of times in life, we'll say, for instance, we could drop a pen on the ground and say, "Oh, this is such a horrible day," but that could be the best thing that ever happened to you. I know. So, um, in life at this moment, it's not that it's good or bad; it's just going, and I'm kind of just going with the steps of it. Um. I really don't like to put a judgment on anything because we don't know where it can lead us. True. So if everything in life isn't working out today, for you know, a month down the line, it could have been the greatest thing that ever took place mm -hmm. in your You're life. Absolutely right. God, that's great advice, isn't it? Oh, I needed to hear that today. Like I'll have a lady at the, you know at the bank, lady she'll say, "So how are you today?" And you know what I say sometimes? You don't want to know mm -hmm. because I'm not going to sit there and go, "Oh, I'm great," because I'm not great. <laughs> and she doesn't need to hear my crap either. So I'll just say. You don't want to know. <laughs> but that really puts things in perspective. It really, really does. Because sometimes it's the small stuff, right, that puts us over the edge. Yes. And we think it's the worst thing that's happening to anybody else out there. We don't even, we can't even fathom what some people are living with out there, what people no. are going through. No. Um, you know, it just, it's absolutely... We need those checks and balances. We all have struggles. And yeah. we're all dealing with things that we never talk about with each other. Right. And we all have it. Every single one of us is fights, battles every single day. And that's, you know, how you become the person that you are. Mm -hmm. And I really think that for, I think one thing too is having faith and also 
knowing who you need to call or reach out to right. for myself. Um, maybe it's Bob and you have other folks, but for me, it's always who's going to give me the reality check, mm-hmm. not who's going to tell me what I want to hear, mm-hmm. but someone who's not going to judge me and love me for all my imperfections because I have a lot of them. So I think that's what it's all about, right? right? Taking a moment at a time. Right. If you're just uh, tuning in, we're speaking with, we're going to call you this David. We respect people by not using their last names, if that's all right with you. And you are what they call a graduate of the uh, Roger Sherman House Program, and that's located in New Haven. And I do want to mention to folks out there, um, you know, this might not be the program for you within the connection. There's so many different programs that are offered, but the website is always a great place to go um, for that information and for more services. And what I love, and I'll get that before I keep going on, it's theconnectioninc.org, theconnectioninc.org. And the beautiful thing about it is with 211, um, that's also a great resource. If you don't have the programs at the Connection for people and it's the right fit, there's a collaborative effort in the state of Connecticut where you work together and you find the right fit for the person to get them what they need to get them better. Because it only benefits our society. I mean, where do you think you would be if you didn't find the Roger Sherman House? What do you think we'd be dealing with? What would uh, the other David look like? Um... <laughs> oh, that evil laugh. <laughs> I I don't necessarily want to say that it would have been bad. Okay. But I don't think I would have had the advantages that I had. And one was being the ability to save my money. Um, on my own, that's not no, that's not likely. <laughs> Anyone who knows me is gonna be like, Oh man, this guy, he's just gonna go spend and buy something. But it was the ability to to, to save my money. With that money, the, like I already made preparations that as soon as I got out, I ended up with an apartment, a vehicle. Um, so these little um, benefits, they, they, they really helped me in to being where I am today. Because without that vehicle, I wouldn't be where I work today. And without that apartment, I would have never um, had a place to live. I would have never met the people that I met coming, going forward. So I think, it, like I said, it was more of the, the, the I took. But I believe even with that, you have to take control of that advantage. Um, you got to want it. You know, a lot of times I see is, you know, people when we're in, we're like, oh, I can't wait to get to the halfway house. I can't wait. We sit there and we, 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 we pray for it. We want it. We talk about it every day. And then it happens. And there's sometimes, you know, we don't take advantage of it. And I, like I said, I just come, think it also comes from a state of not being um, mentally prepared, not, not, not um, putting those good thoughts in your head, not having a goal not having any focus. You're just kind of just, you go back to the wrong environment. Um, so for me, it was, you know, very beneficial. I do think that, like I said, I don't believe in going down the wrong path anymore. Mm-hmm. I do I do believe that, you know, things could happen, but I have I don't have a desire for it. I think you got to relieve yourself of that desire as well. And for me, it just, it wasn't, it's not the lifestyle I want. I don't like living in um, a level of fear. I don't like living... Um, and a level of being controlled by, you know, wrong things. I don't believe there's any peace in that. Um, so I'm more of to a point of peace. I just, I like peace. Whether it is in <laughs> this or that, I just want that peace. Well, so, too late. Yeah, Your baby's probably crying all night long. So that's, yeah. <laughs> there goes that peace and quiet. But <laughs> that's David true. Brought, yeah, David brought up a good point too, Lisa, is that some people look at it as, well, it's chaos. Well, that, but it's going to be, I'm getting out. I'm going to a halfway house, so that's going to get me out of here. But then to take full advantage of it, whether it starts with financial literacy, I mean, some people don't have and have never been provided those skills to get started, and then it's overwhelming. 
if you don't know how to balance a checkbook, you don't know how to budget, you don't have the job, you don't have the car, you know, you feel hopeless and helpless. So with these things building on one another throughout these programs, it's obtainable. It's doable, right? That's very true. You know that. You've lived it. Very true. And you're going to continue to live it. Yes. And help others live it. Yes. (laughs) So it's not an escape route. No. It really is a, a, a success plan if you can keep it going. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, and for me, it's like I put everything in um, increments. It's like I believe, you know, halfway house, that was one step on a ladder. When I got out, that was the next step. So on every ladder, you're going to meet different. You're going to have different um, temptations. You're going to have different training. Like that's just going to and it's only to get you to the next step. And this is what for me what life is. Life is a continuous ladder going from one step and on that first leg of that ladder you're learning something. You're um you're learning to deal with what's going to be on the next leg of that ladder and the next leg of that ladder and going and so on and so forth. So um for me that's what the halfway house was and it it got me prepared because it gave me just enough where it was like uh you're free but be careful. <laughs> you know, so it gave me just enough to prepare me to be fully um free from um sit um you know, that incarceration environment. Why do you think you got into the halfway house and some people don't? It goes back to faith. I just believe um everything for me is, is God at this point. And um just my faith. I believe, you know, with the right level of prayer, um, if you really believe in for me it's like God revealed that to me, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm I, I'm here for you. And like I said, and for me it was only because I was in order for me to receive that, I had to be broken and I was broken and that was it. It was like there is nothing else. So for me I was very broken and because of that I felt like I was able to receive God now. It was like I was able to receive that instruction that um obtain whatever it was I needed. So for me it's um that would be and then, you know, if you want to do it on a natural playing field, you know, I also put in a lot of requests and like, hey, <laughs> well, you, you have to be your own advocate, right? Yeah. You've got to you got to know what you want. You've got to go and get it. I mean, yeah. people aren't going to do this stuff for you. But what I love about the show, Lisa, is like you sit across from these people. And this this is the stereotype piece of this, right? Like you're sitting across from me. Would you think that I'm in recovery from alcohol for almost 10 years? No, I would not. Okay. And <laughs> no, I'm sitting across from you, um, and I'm looking at you and your nice sweater and your cute shoes and all that stuff <laughs> and your big smile, and I'm thinking, I can't believe that you've done two stints in prison. You know, that's, again, we've got to get rid of those stereotypes. Right. We've got to go because it's people like you. It's people like me. It's people out there that you would never, you know, you're sitting next to them in Starbucks. You don't know. You don't know what somebody's got going on, where somebody's right. been, or where they could end up. And I just love it. I just love your story, David. It's so great. Thank you. You're really, you're really an inspiration, and um, you have no idea how you've impacted my life and Bob's life and other folks that work at the agency by your story and your determination. Because we want to be there to help you. Where, to meet you where you are, but the reality is that you have no idea what you, how you do what you're doing for us because this is why we do the work we do, but we were able to be, build these close relationships with folks that we really care about, and you know how much Bob cares about you, right? You are, you know, that's it. Um, but I also know how much you care about him, and there's a compassion, there's a true love there between the two of you, and I just, and that's what, amazing. That's what it's about. But you know, when, when Beth and Allison go to set up these shows, and, and we all, we love it. We love the real people stories. 
And you know, there's success. There's there's so many success stories out there because of the program through the connection. This isn't just like the uh, exception to the oh. rule here, mm-hmm. sitting across from us. There are these kinds of stories in every program every day, and that's why you do what you do. And we got to get more people in the seat. But you know, it's intimidating. It's it's not easy for everyone to tell their story. And again, thank you for that, because it it gives us all a reality check. So I just want to say to you, you know, continued success. Um, keep up the good work. What's your son's name? David. David. Oh. David. That's great. Eight well, months. That's, a, that's awesome. Enjoy. I, li- I love the nine to 12 because they can't walk yet usually. And they got the little fat legs. Oh, that's my favorite part. <laughs> well, thank you. And again, if you're looking for any resources or information, a great place to go is to theconnectioninc.org. Another great show. Yes. David, thank you so much. Thank you're you your inspiration to all of us and... To all our listeners out there, it's just one phone call away. If you need help or assistance, please reach out. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to another edition of The Connection. We'll see you back here, same time, same place, on WTIC News Talk 